I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, and welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and it's good to be back. Hope you guys are doing well. Today, I'm coaching Paul, who, like many people, has a lot of things going for him. So he eats pretty healthy. He enjoys it. He's pretty active. He also enjoys that. But he's still a bit overweight, and he knows why. He knows that several days a week, he tends to have a little binging episode in the evenings. And he says that he has tried a lot of different things to try to address this. And he feels that at the end of the day, it just comes down to willpower. Like He just doesn't have the willpower to not do it, unlike in every other part of his life where he's always been able to be really good at sticking to a set of rules and just following them sort of indefinitely. So he's befuddled by this issue. And today I walk him through maybe a new way to look at it because usually in a case like this, there's a lot going on, right? There's triggers, right? You're in your house. There are your own beliefs about yourself, what you're capable of. There's all that psychological tricks we pull on ourselves to rationalize the behavior, you know, the what the hell effect where you just say, once you've started, you might as well just go nuts. The scarcity mentality that I'm never going to have this again. I've got to eat all of it. The food moralizing, well, I've been so good. This is my chance to be bad. And a lot of the times, all those issues sort of mingle together in one really frustrating knot that's hard to untangle. And, and I like talking to Paul a lot because he's, he's very rational and He's very open to adjusting his beliefs about himself, but he still has them and he challenges me whenever I I say something that he doesn't quite get yet. So if this is you, if sometimes you listen to the show or you you read what I write and you think, yeah, that's all well and good for you, but I still don't get it. I just still don't know what I have to do in order to stop binging this night, you know, tonight. Uh, This is probably a good episode for you to listen to. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And again, it's, it's nice to be back. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) How can I help you today? Well, I am trying to figure out after a long quest of trying many, many, many different things. um, I'm trying to figure out like, I feel like I'm stuck on one last issue that is standing between me and losing weight. Like, I'm exercising more. Like, I feel like I'm eating the right macronutrient. I mean, whatever. Like, we could talk about all of it. And maybe you can help me figure out if actually my sense of the problem is correct. But I am eating too much and would like to lose some weight. Got it. <laughs> okay. What is it then? Okay. Here's the repeating pattern. The repeating pattern, like I'll just give you a sense of like a regular few days. So a regular few days is every other day or so, some form of exercise, like some more intense and less intense than others. It might be like going and doing an activity with my kids or um, like I've got a spin class near my house that I do or, you know, like long hour and a half of walking I just started, you know, that kind of thing. And so I feel reasonably physically active. I sleep like reasonably well, you know, call it minimum seven hours a night and and oftentimes more. I feel like I have reasonable energy, but then food, the challenge with food is that I feel like 
I am eating healthily, like, you know, it's not about eating junk, but then very, very often at the very end of the day, before I go to sleep, I just have like a can't stop craving and then overeat like right before bed at the worst possible time. Mm. And it is like the range of all kinds of different things. And I've tried swapping in healthier foods. I've tried, you know, eating more regularly throughout the day. So I don't get sugar spikes and crashes. Yeah, I, I just tried lots of different things. And I'm not sure how to put a fine point on how to think about fixing this other than I feel like a complete willpower failure. I see. So you've tested whether or not it's hunger is basically what you said, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, like if I've tested whether or not it's the kind of hunger that is a person who hasn't eaten all day long. So I'll put it this way. It happens just as often on days where I skip breakfast and lunch because I'm running around as it does on days where I eat like regular meals and snack healthily throughout the day. Okay, good. That's a great experiment. Good job. Thank you. And and that means that, yeah, it's, it's unlikely nutrition related. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, look, there are definitely days, you know, my job involves some travel, fortunately, not that much, because uh, I like to be home. And there are definitely some days where, you know, it's like I've been running around or at a conference or something and haven't eaten. And then, yeah, then I'm sure hunger contributes to it. But I've definitely had many cases where it happens where there is no possible reason it could be hunger. Right. So what, so what, what happened? Well, first of all, what do you eat? You said a range of things. Is that what you're referring to what you eat? You know, if there are like healthy snacks around like nuts or dried fruits, then I will eat those. If there are only unhealthy snacks around chocolate, you know, I'll eat that. I'll eat like, you know, I'll have like veg. I'll think I'm eating healthily and have like vegetables and hummus or something like that. And then it'll degrade into like having chips. Uh, and the, the big thing is once I start, I just kind of keep going and sure. kind of give up. You know, honestly, I kind of like, oh, okay, I blew it for today. I might as well blow it. That's called the what the hell effect, the scientific oh, term. I like for that. that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm having the what the hell effect. Okay. Yeah. What else can I tell you? That's good to know. So, and in, well, volume. How about volume? I don't even know how to describe volume, but like enough that I'm embarrassed to describe it, I guess. I don't know. You know, like definitely at least call it 500 to 1,000 calories worth of stuff, like a sure. lot of food. Sure. And how often does this happen? How many times a week? Say two or three, which okay. is a lot. Sure. Because that's an extra day of food yeah, every week. Exactly. That's it's very well put. Yes. I feel like I'm having an extra day of food every week. Everything else in your health style is dialed in. So that's likely the, the reason for sticking weight. Yeah. I mean, look, could I exercise more and more intensively? Of course. Like, could I be much more rigid about exactly what I eat during the day? Of course. But I, I, it pretty clear to me that I'm good enough at all that yeah, stuff that yeah. it doesn't make sense to me unless I have some metabolic problem that I'm unaware of that I've never had in my whole life. Like, I'm, right. yeah. Whereas an extra day of food is a, is a big red flag. <laughs> seems like, seems like a likely cause. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what's triggering you? Near as I can tell it is I run around all day and the end of the day when everybody else is asleep is my only time to kind of be to myself. And then I kind of am looking for a reward, I feel like at the end of the day, and like something that is like just for me and enjoyable. And I've tried like meditating instead and substituting in other rewards. And meditating is a reward for you. Meditating is a reward for me. I like Hmm. meditating. Yeah, like Hmm. it's I if I get to meditate, I feel really good. Cool. But 
I haven't figured out any, like I've tried like listening to music instead or reading a good book or Netflix or, you know, a bunch of other things to either distract or quote unquote reward. And yeah, I have not figured it out, but I think that's, that's my best guess on what's triggering me. I don't know. And I'm not sure how I would know. Like I'm open to questions about like, how would I know what's triggering me? Yeah. Well, you actually do know. And and that's a really good point. So nobody, like it's inside your head. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. like whatever's going on, it like you are the closest to that place. Yeah. So, but the, the problem is it's difficult to articulate consciously what your unconscious brain is trying to accomplish. That makes sense. But, but there's, it's not like you're totally in the dark at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's actually a really good hint is that, and that's, that's something that's common. I, I talk to a lot of people and oh, often it turns out that they're so busy and they spend so much of their day doing things for other people that it's actually, I'm starting to get the feeling after talking to so many people and my own experience in life that rest and enjoyment is actually essential. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels, it feels very unessential, I think. To yeah. Us. Right. And like so a, it feels a nice to do at the end. Yeah, or like an indulgence or something. An indulgence, yes. When in reality, I think it's actually necessary. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, what, you know, what, um, I hate to like spring to action, but I'm like, okay, well, what's the. What do you do? What what do I do? Or how do I. Okay, so you think we're on the right track? It does feel like we're on the right track. And I also feel like, well, I'll just say one other thing, which is I have plenty of days where like I get to do something enjoyable throughout the day. And where I'm not at the end of the day, like sort of craving a reward in the same way. Actually, I was just going to say, and on those days, I still overeat too, but I'm actually not sure if that's as true now that I say it out loud. Hmm. Um, I do think like, I kind of feel like part of what goes through my head is like, oh, I deserve this now because like, I haven't cheated and done it. I've been so good all day. (laughs) And so there's something about like the slightly, I don't know, like secretive aspect of it that feels like part of it too, which is like, uh, maybe it's not even just the secretive part. Maybe part of it is the the aspect of it that is not doing all of the things that you're supposed to all day long. Mm. And then feeling like I'm doing something that is just for me, even though I'm not supposed to do it, maybe because I'm not supposed to do it. Yeah. So I call that food moralizing or, yes. or some, some sort of like behavioral moralizing. It is behavioral moralizing about food. That is exactly what it is. I'm like running a bank account in my head and, mm. and, and I'm, I'm like crediting the bank account by snacking. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Another super common reaction to food moralizing is binging. Yeah. And there's actually, we have several episodes on, food moralizing that we'll link to in the show notes, but it's super common as well. Okay. So yeah, that sounds like, sounds like we're getting somewhere. (laughs) It does. How do rewards and moralizing relate to each other? Well, what happens is you start, you set up a dichotomy in your mind of you have like buckets that are good and bad. Mm -hmm. And it just starts to feel, it starts to feel like an, like you said, like a bank account. Yeah. And you start to feel like, well, I've I've put so many buckets, so many coins in the good bucket. Yes. I want to take a couple out and put them in the bad. Totally. That is it. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it's interesting. So, so there's, there's a few ways to approach that, but you know, it's different for everybody because that whatever the, the specific thread 
in your own personal moralizing, like that, that narrative that's going on in your own mind is yours. You know, so I'd like, it's going to be different. Got than it. Mine, that makes sense. For example. That makes total sense. And so really untangling it is in a science experiment for your conscious brain hmm. to, you know, un to untangle it from your unconscious brain. And, but so let's, let's dig in a little bit and see if we can do some of that. Cause I know this is one thing that a lot of people struggle with. Let's talk about, like you said, like, let's talk about the days it doesn't happen mm -hmm. because I think that it might be pretty informative. On the days it doesn't happen, I feel like by the time I get to the end of the day, I feel like I'm ready to just wind down. There are two ways it doesn't happen. Let me start with the unhealthy one. The unhealthy way it doesn't happen is I'm just too exhausted. Like I just have one of those days where, you know, after the kids are asleep, I watch some TV or try to read a book. And before I know it, it's the next morning. Um, mm. And I, So it takes actually some energy from you in order to... Have one of these. Yeah, episodes. I think that's right. Or it's part of being like up and about, let's say. And um, it's not like I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I got to get up out of bed and go eat something. It's more like, okay, I've stopped and now I am winding down and the momentum just grinds to a halt, something like that. The healthy okay. way that it doesn't happen is when I feel like, you know, I'm like feeling pretty good. I'm not like, I don't feel like it's the first minute I've had to myself. I can like exhale and then I will like slowly wind down. And, you know, it oftentimes looks the same way, but ends very differently, which is like being like, okay, that was good. Like, I'm happy I read that chapter of that book or watch that next episode or two of something, of some show mm -hmm. and then, and then just go to sleep. I guess, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but some of it is also depends on where I am in my house. Like if I'm winding mm. down in a healthy way, then sometimes it's because I'm the only one awake and I might be not anywhere near the kitchen basically. But in our house, if everybody else is asleep and I'm awake, kind of the only place to be by myself is in the spaces that are near the kitchen, if that makes sense. And yeah. so then it's just kind of like I wander over and and like a little crack appears in the wall. Sometimes the crack starts with like sticks of celery or something like that, like something completely innocuous. And then right. and then the uh, what did you call it? The what the hell effect? Yeah, kicks in. Yeah, because then all of a sudden peanut butter sounds really good on the exactly, celery. exactly. <laughs> you got it. Well, that's actually a powerful observation that it's about place. Yes. Because that's a, a very classic definition of a trigger. You know, like they can something in your environment that says, that just basically reminds you that the kitchen's over there. Huh. And that there's food in it. And that food could be in your mouth. And then that would be kind of fun. Yeah. You know, what you said earlier about an experiment to tangle my subconscious brain from my conscious brain, I guess I feel like avoiding the trigger doesn't quite feel like understanding the moralizing, but obviously could be very helpful. It's good to know that if you happen to be in that area of the house by not your own choice, mm -hmm. right? Like, like you said, if people are awake or whatever it is, that it's going to be stronger. The feeling it's going to, the urge is going to feel stronger. Yeah. So those days it's going to be harder to change course or alter your course than if that weren't the case. And that's just good to know. Then you're in a position where you can start calling bullshit on your craving. Huh. Meaning say, oh, this is just because I'm standing here, not because it's a quote unquote real craving. Yeah. Not because I need it. Right. So the way generally 
when you're dealing with something like food moralization. And where it comes from is, like I said, a, a heuristic, mm-hmm. a false dichotomy in your mind that's saying, this is good, this is bad, I've got this bank account, and I've put a lot in the good. Like, that's not real. Right, sure, of course. Every single thing you eat is goes into your right. body. And so part of undoing that means being able to stop in your tracks occasionally and call bullshit on what your subconscious brain is compelling you to do. Like you get triggered and you go on this automatic path and it just sort of tells your conscious mind something it wants to hear. Yeah. Yes. I think (laughs) that's right. Oh, it's fine. I already did this. Like we were good today. It's fine. Just, this is not the peanut butter you're looking for. Totally. (laughs) And then look the other way. That's exactly what it is. It is definitely Jedi mind trick played on myself. (laughs) Exactly. So, and if that was the full explanation of the cause, then what is the technique that is the best way to call bullshit? I like, what does calling bullshit on myself mean? What does it look like? Right. So, so what, like I said, one way is knowing that these triggers are compelling you. Because what, what happens is when you're in the moment, it feels like you actually want it, right? Yes. But if it's not, if it's really just a marble sort of falling over a hill and rolling down on its own gravity mm-hmm. because you happen to be triggered and it just happened to knock that pinball down, then that's sort of annoying. Got it. I mean, when, I, when I find myself in a, in a trigger habit like that and it's not one I like, like the idea of being pushed around yeah, by my it's kitchen. Like you don't have free will. <laughs> Right. Um, so that I get. So I get that noticing that it is happening to me as opposed to me doing it will be like, no, I'd like to now reassert myself. I guess where I get back to is, you know, you said the moralizing is nonsense about how, you know, it's just food that goes into your body. So let me, let me just ask about that for a second, yeah. which yeah. is, you know, part of it is like, yeah, I know it's all food going into my body, but some of it tastes really good and feels really good. And therefore, you know, I'm, I'd like feel like, okay, like I do deserve it because of all this other stuff. And so in that sense, some of the food is different because some of it is sort of feels like fuel. And yeah, it might be delicious fuel and it might be healthy fuel, but it's just fuel. And some of it is serving a different need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so I guess I'm kind of feeling like I'm imagining myself in the moment of moralizing and thinking, oh, wait, this isn't me moralizing. It's just because I'm in the kitchen. And somehow that feels insufficient as an explanation as to why the moral, an explanation of myself as to why the moralizing is unjustified. Does that it make is. sense? Okay. Yes, it is. We are not done. Okay. Keep going. I'm, I'm in yeah. your hands. Yeah, no, that's, I just wanted to point out to you that this isn't a sim- necessarily going to be one simple thing. Yeah. Totally There's going to be multiple factors and it's good to know what they all are. You know, it's good to know that when you're in a situation where you're near the kitchen, it's going to be harder. And I just, you know, it's something that you should be aware of. But yeah, you're right. Let's get back to the, what actually happens in your brain and the food moralizing. Why, why you're so convinced by it. Because <laughs> you're still very convinced by it. <laughs> I'm still very convinced by it. By the way, let me also add, of course, not every time I ever overeat is late at night. But I do think every time I ever overeat is food moralizing, now that you mention it. Like, it's always like, it's a Saturday. Like, I try to avoid like drinking too much beer. Right. Because it's the kind of thing that is like, you know, ideally I'd like to like have beer like once a week or something like that, like really not that often. And then sometimes I will think to myself like, oh, I've had a particularly hard week. So now it's okay if I like, you know, dot, dot, dot. And so I guess my point is, I feel like if I can get to the bottom of this food moralizing thing, it might solve more than just my late night binging. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And and it's tricky. You know, it's not something that's going to 
you know, one conversation with me is yeah. going to dissolve. But like I said, the way the way to start getting to the bottom of it is to start to call out and, and question the assumptions that you're making that are making it totally okay for you to do those things. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you say earlier? You said some of the food tastes really good or it's really fun to eat. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel good. at the end of these episodes? Okay. So this is what's horrible is at the end of an episode like this, I feel great in the sense <laughs> that I feel like that was really delicious. And I, honestly, it was so worth it. And then I also have this like second track in my head in the symphony of my head of like, oh, but this is why you are overweight. And Mm. that feels awful. Mm. So it does feel really good. Like I definitely am not one of these people who afterward I'm like, oh God, I can't believe I did that. I'm so horrible. Like I'm, you know, blaming myself. Like there's no negativity afterward. All Mm. of the negativity is now as I look at it, I'm thinking to myself, this is why I weigh 20% more than I should. I see. So you don't feel sick afterward? Nope. I okay. don't. <laughs> That's a big one for a lot of people, but yeah, not for you. Sometimes I feel like absurdly full where I'm like, I can't believe that I'm like, I had dinner and then I had that. And like, I'm just full. But no, I don't feel ill or, you know, I don't even feel bad emotionally at the end of okay. it. Okay, cool. Well, that that's great. This That makes your situation more interesting to Good. me because oftentimes people just, they they know it's horrible because they feel sick and, but they still somehow think it's a reward, which I always, that's something that's easy to call bullshit on. Yeah, sure. It's not a reward if you're miserable. I have a, you enjoy I have a much more sophisticated form of bullshit for you is basically what's <laughs> happening. Perfection. Great. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, let's think of something else it could be then. How often do you consciously eat things that are really delicious and really good? Is it that you're like always being really good? And you never plan? Um, that's okay. a good question. Um, so meaning when you say really good, you mean like healthy? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to your moral, moralistic brain. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of my moralistic brain, I would say all of my defaults are healthy. You know, I feel like if I only ate what I defaulted to eat all the time, it would be really good. Like, you know, a, a low fat protein or low saturated fat protein, a low glycemic index carbohydrate, fibrous vegetables, you know, like kind of name your, your set of things. I feel like my defaults are healthy. And then to get it, I think what you were asking is, do I plan for, you know, cheating, if that's the right word? Indulgence. Indulgence. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Do I plan for indulgence? I think I more feel like I have an allotment of indulgence. And, you know, another thing I'll say about my personality and my wife has pointed this out to me many times, is like, I'm really good if I have an absolute rule to follow. So Mm -hmm. if my rule, like I've had periods of my life where for six months, I like nothing unhealthy, literally for six months. And Mm -hmm. that in a weird way, eventually was easier than, you know, I've had other periods where I'm like, okay, only I'm making this up, like what it specifically was, like one meal out of every 10, am I going to indulge in some way? I'm going to have like a fried food or you know, something bread or something like that. And I find that much harder to manage because I feel like Mm -hmm. I do dishonest accounting with myself in my head Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm like twice a week, but did the week start on Wednesday? You know, Um, (laughs) and like all kinds of mental tricks until I get confused and give up and fall into the what the hell effect. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I'm I'm actually like that. Yes, actually. So I'm actually like that too. Like I went years without eating carbs. Wow. Like seriously, like wow. three years, I think. And I was a bad 
food moralizer. And yeah, like if I gave myself an inch, I would take a mile because mm. I, I'm like a arguing ninja and I could make any case for anything I actually want to, so <laughs> you know, rationalize. I, I would call myself an arguing contortionist. Contortionist, yeah. even better. <laughs> Excellent. So what you're generally saying is your default habits are super healthy. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say super healthy in the sense of like, you know, not, it could, they could be healthier, but I feel like it's pretty good, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not like a won't have dressing on salad kind of a person. Let's put it oh, that God. way. Yeah. I, I'm so glad to hear that you're not that Yeah. Person. And by the way, I then should we'd also have to add, have a different show. Yeah, for sure. And let me also <laughs> add, like, I really enjoy food like a lot. I love mm. to cook. Like it's, you know, I'm not one of these people for whom like, you know, uh, it's like a meal is a chore. Yeah. Great. So you love food. I love food. You have strong willpower when you have hard, fast rules to follow. I'm the same way. It still takes me back to my question though. So like when you, when you're, do you really believe these episodes are worth it? I mean, sitting here right now, of course not. Like it's awful at the so time. So what would you rather do? Just skip them, not have them. I mean, I guess is the ideally. And I don't know. And this is why I feel like a willpower failure because I feel like the quote unquote right answer would be live my life as I'm living it. Only just don't have these episodes. And I just haven't figured out how to be able to do that. Right. But you like food. Yeah. So you can't just eat chicken breasts all day. Like when would you ideally eat something? Yeah, that's tasty? that's a good point. I mean, I guess the healthy foods are pretty tasty. Like great. Like a real indulgence for me as far as like something healthy that's an indulgence would just be like red meat, you know? Um mm-hmm. but it does feel like that doesn't somehow scratch the moralizing itch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know, like I used I after I read that awful body hacking book, the Tim Ferriss book, I did the like, you know absurd cheat day once a week thing. And I'll tell you, by the end of that, I don't know if you know that. Are you familiar with the plan that I'm talking about? The slow carb. Yeah. Well, but then with one day, that's just like everything in sight. Yeah. And I felt gross every single one of those days. Like I, Hmm. you know, I just, that was too much. What would I rather do is a good question. I don't know. What are some alternatives? Like what are some good options to think about? Cause like part of me just defaulted to like, well, I should have a cheat meal once a week on like a Saturday night or something like that. And well, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like you eat pretty good food, but it's just often linked to moralization. Correct. But I'm curious, maybe, so maybe it's not necessarily just the food or what, like, would you rather have an indulgent meal with your family? Would you rather go out to a restaurant and have something that you couldn't make? So that's a good question. I think when I have an indulgent meal with others, whether it's my family or friends, I feel like judged. Nobody's actually judging me, I don't think. But I kind of feel like, oh, they know I'm like, you know, getting fat eating this. And how horrible is it that they know that? Which is, I think, one of the reasons, other than maybe embarrassment, why these episodes almost always happen when I'm alone. And maybe that's so clear that it's obvious, but I think there's something in that. I don't know. I think that's potentially really powerful that there's a part of you that's embarrassed to enjoy yourself with food in front of other people. Yes. I mean, as it sounds painful to say yes to that because it feels like kind of a, like a admission, but yes, I think that rings true even though it's painful to admit. Yeah. This stuff usually is hit somewhere a little hard. Okay, fine. Then there we go. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. I think (laughs) this is what we're here to do. I'm all for it. But like in theory, let's say you didn't 
I mean, so that would be a, a wish, right? That you didn't feel that way. Um, yes, that would be a wish that I didn't feel that way. Cause then I could kind of enjoy it, um, you know, more regularly. Cause I would love to enjoy it with other people and with my family for sure. I'm sure. And what tends to happen in my experience is when those, I mean, I kind of had the, I mean, it was different because I just didn't want myself to see myself, but I, I used to eat like, I guess I was binging. Yeah. I, I guess I used to binge. Um, I, I would, I was always alone as well. And yeah, it was, it was hard for me to eat in front of people. And I never really, even though I love food, I never really enjoyed, I hated going out with people because I didn't, it put me in a situation where I felt like I had to behave, you know, so it took extra willpower and but really I should have been having fun. And so it just wasn't fun at all because I knew that. And, it, you know, so it ended up being a very stressful situation for me. What happens though, is when you're out having fun, you know, assuming you're not in college and hammered and partying with people and then going out and eating like 20 burritos at one in the morning. Um, if you're with your family and people you enjoy at a nice place where, you know, the food's good, it's actually a lot easier to eat, enjoy your food in a controlled manner hmm. without the what the hell effect, especially if you do it regularly one, you know, a couple times a month, you're less likely to experience the what the hell effect because you're too busy having fun. Oh, got it. You're actually enjoying the food that you're eating. You know, not, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you also eat quickly. Yes. Good guess. I do. <laughs> so sitting down, enjoying your food, you know, sipping a glass of wine, having a lovely conversation. It's a very different experience. And when you're eating slowly and enjoying yourself, you don't feel compelled to just keep eating for no reason. Unless you don't do it very often. Then the what the hell effect comes back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that rings true. Keep going. Well, what, I, what I'm talking about, again, is, is in this sense, is the idea of scarcity. So it's very easy to binge, overeat, if this is the last time you're ever going to have spaghetti right. or a brownie or mac and cheese yes. or whatever. Which how many times have I, by the way, like convinced myself that that was the case? I don't even <laughs> want to start. Like, this will be my last ice cream ever is a, right. is a thought I've had to myself so many times. I'm like embarrassed by it. <laughs> right. So, so stop it. So stop ever saying that you can't have ice cream. Right. You can have ice cream any day you want. Right. You choose not to most of the time because you want to be fit and healthy. Right. And it's way more fun to have ice cream at your kid's birthday party or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's fun for you than by yourself standing up in the kitchen really fast. Yeah. Interesting. The, scar the, the scarcity point is is a really good one because I definitely notice when I have some of these binging episodes that if there isn't much of something left in the house, I'll often feel like I can have a ton of it, um, meaning have whatever's left of it. Whereas mm. if there's plenty of something, then it's almost like, I don't know, uninteresting to me to start or something like mm. that. Um, so that scarcity thing definitely rings true. Cool. So yeah, so that's one way. The scarcity thing is one way to call bullshit, mm -hmm. right? It's like, are you, is, is it really the last brownie? Is it really the last right. ice cream? And the answer is no. Right, of course. And the more you can tease apart the, the faulty assumptions you're making and then test them, you know, it's, and by the way, this is not easy. Yeah, yeah. The, another thing to realize is once you get in the moment, you, you're in a habit loop, like you're in, you're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Breaking autopilot is hard no matter what, no matter how much you know. 
but you do have free will. You are intelligent and you, you are capable of pausing and having a little conversation with yourself and figuring out like why you're really doing something in the moment and asking if that's really what you want to be doing. That makes perfect sense. So what are other examples? I mean, I don't know if this is where you're going to go next. So feel free to guide me around because, but I'm curious, like this whole idea that there might be many parts of that habit loop that are the subconscious thoughts that I'm trying to tease out. Like I do feel like the scarcity thought is an example of one of these half thoughts that goes through my head. The what the hell thought is another example of one of these half thoughts that kind of goes through my head. And until you named it, I may not have been quite as explicitly aware of it. But is that the idea is to try to find all those kind of lurking partial thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and then finding ways to redirect your behavior. So as long as you're never, like you like you said, as long as you always feel like your bank account is uneven, you're always going to have an excuse to do this. And it's going to be the thing that you do because it's a strong habit already. And your house is a trigger and you're not like going to move. Yes. Immediately. True. Right? So... One way to do, one thing to think is to start uh, unraveling the things that create that bank account in the first place. And that's sort of what we were talking about. But another thing is to realize that like the reason your brain is making up reasons why you need to go into the kitchen and like eat all the things is because it's missing something. Mm. So sort of fill the bank account in other ways. Yes. Or is that not right? Because I shouldn't be moralizing about it anyway, but... Well, there's a, there's some, you, you set up this moralization because you don't want to believe that there's something you need that you don't have. Mm. You want to believe this is about willpower. Mm. That's interesting. So that if I have more of the thing that is the thing that I am missing, then the need to convince myself about willpower will be less. Exactly. I buy it. That makes complete sense. So wh- what does that part look like? Well, it depends, right? So f- for you, it could be any of these things we've started to discuss or something else. So it sounds like it's hard for you to schedule or it's, you, you, sound, you don't sound like you want to start planning dinners out. But something like that, it sounds like it's missing in your life. Yeah. Some other like more enjoyable way, more a healthier way of getting some of the enjoyment so that I wouldn't feel at the end of the day, like I owed it to myself to binge. Yeah. Yeah. A way you can relax with food in a pleasant way. Yeah. And do you think it's almost certainly with food? I don't know yet, but one make thing that makes me think it might be is because of the way you said you're embarrassed to do it around other people. Mm. What, why did that make you think that? Because it makes me feel like there's something specific to eating that is an emotional trigger for you. Got it. So a, a lot of the times it's not that, but I, I'm getting, maybe it's, and maybe it's not for you, but I got that impression from that comment. No, it could totally be the case. I mean, where my head went was like, what was my relationship to food like as a kid? But that's probably way, way yeah. too much therapy talking. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, like that might be, might take some therapy yeah. sessions, you know what I mean? Sure. Like that's the sort of thing where, and, and usually it does start young because mm-hmm. we get these weird ideas in our minds that we don't question only when we're like super young. It's like a worldview that gets instilled without us knowing mm. it. I mean, it, it can happen when you're older, obviously, too. But generally, like that's very common. I know mine was all from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I blame my mom for all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, that, that's, a, that's a well-worn path for me, too. Yeah, that makes sense. And then 
just to make sure I'm kind of following, the general idea is try to experiment with things that I could add in to my days where whether I plan to do it or however it ends up happening, but probably plan to do it, I end up um, not feeling less of the need to moralize at the end of the day. And then separately, when I begin down the inevitable path, the well-worn path of starting to moralize, it's observing and calling bullshit on some of these kind of supporting thought, supporting actor type thoughts about, you know, oh, it's just because it's scarce and that's why I'm doing it. Or like what I already started. So what the hell, that kind of thing. Right, right. They're like, well, like logical fallacies. Logical fallacies. Are there other common ones that people who binge end up going through like classics? I mean, usually there's a discounting of the food you already eat undervalue the healthy, the quality and the enjoyment of the, of the healthy food. And they overvalue the enjoyment of the not so healthy food. And that's a big one. And usually there's a, a denial around how, how, how much negativity, how much it's bringing down the quality yeah. of life. You know, for instance, people often don't sleep well after a binge, you know, they feel gross later or they don't, you know, they don't feel good the next day. Um, something immediate though, not just like, I'm not losing this weight. That's a little abstract. Yeah. And look, I'm, I'm not going to claim that just because I say I feel good that I'm not in some form of denial. I mean, who knows? That's, <laughs> no, I mean, you start thinking about it and you're like, well, the next day, do I feel as good? I don't know. Sorry, but I interrupted you. You were telling me about other kind of classic patterns people go through. Well, those are, those are the big ones is, is just being not being completely honest with yourself about the feelings because of the narrative around them. Yeah, that makes sense to me that, um, and, you know, as I was thinking about other positive things I could do, I went into kind of diagnosing my days. And like a lot of people who work, who work a kind of a job where they go off to work, not who just work generally, um, you know, during the day is really hard to sort of slow down and stop. Yeah. And, and then the end of the day, what often happens is my kids eat dinner pretty early. So I get home after they have already eaten dinner. And then I, that means I don't really get to enjoy it with them. And I don't feel like cooking because it's been, you know, often a long day, although I, I love to cook, but I just, you know, I cook when I have like hours to prepare, not, not when I have right. like 20 minutes. I'm not a good 20 minutes kind of a chef. Yeah. So I guess I'm just thinking about what are ways in the context of that timing of the day that I could get an enjoyable experience eating with others. Yeah, I see. So you're, you're having trouble coming up or even, I mean, it could still be by yourself sometimes too. But just planned. Yeah. Um, and are there good like uh, kind of contracts with yourself that people have or is that the wrong way to think about it? Mm, yeah, you start getting into issues there. Uh, it can it can be it can, like, as you've observed, it can be difficult to say I deserve two indulgences a month because that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. In, in my experience, there's lots of opportunities in the world to indulge. Yeah. Meaning. So I guess the question is, given the lots of opportunities that pass by, like, then what does it mean to plan for it? I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm just getting my head screwed around on like, this is back to the part of me that's really good with absolute rules. And now I'm trying to think yeah. about how do I set a rule for indulging that isn't an occasional exception rule? And what actually would that look like? Well, let's, let's get out of the abstract and talk about something specific. Okay. Let's talk about your life 
this week, this month. Sure. What are some examples of times when you're you feel like you're using willpower or denying yourself food enjoyment during the day or during the week? So it's not, I mean, the denial feelings. So, so the messed up part is I actually very rarely have denial feelings okay? because I feel like, because I've in, like indulging at the end of the day is the thing that if I didn't do, I might feel like I was in denying myself, but otherwise it's not like when I'm at work during the day, I think to myself like, Oh, I'd really have, like to have a slice of pizza. Um, you know, it's almost like I, you know, like I reach for the salad easily without even thinking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering more like, do your coworkers go out for lunches and you get the salad when everybody else is having pizza, like that sort of thing? No, nothing quite like that. And maybe that's just with a bunch of other people with the same dilemmas that I have. <laughs> nothing quite like that. I would say the only one that tends to come up is like if I'll meet friends out and you know, they want to have a drink, then I will often either default to not drinking or to wine, which I'm not actually a really big wine person. And so then I feel like a bit like I'm denying myself because I'd rather have like a cocktail or beer or something like that. And that feels like a little bit of a denial. And then of course, the extra challenge there is that when I don't deny myself and have a drink or two, then it's much easier to fall into all the habits and overeat at the meal. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol's got that double edge yes. to it for sure. Hmm. So I'm trying to think of other ways then that you could sort of be more relaxed around food. When you talked about how you feel embarrassed, is it in front of everyone? Are there people you don't feel embarrassed in front of? It is mostly everyone. I mean, I was going to say like maybe occasionally, you know, there's like a small group of friends who know me well enough that it's kind of no big deal. But it is basically everyone. I mean, I'll give you an example of one. Like my kids, I want my kids to see me eating healthily um, because I want them to eat healthily. And so I'm especially reluctant around my kids. Hmm. Um, And I'm with them as much as I can be. Mm -hmm. How old are your kids? Seven and nine. And so the, the people I feel most comfortable around, I would say when I'm with my wife, I feel comfortable. And there's a small group of friends who I feel comfortable around. Okay. You know, it's interesting. It's like you eat so healthy and in front of your kids, but, you know, part of being like a family is doing fun stuff too around food. Yeah. And I mean, of course we do also like, it's not like I don't go out and get ice cream with my kids or like, you know, they definitely like my son and I have a ritual where like we go get barbecue together once a week. So it's not like there is nothing of that there. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, they don't, they don't think, in fact, I think they probably actually observe my wife being much more consciously healthy than they observe me. And she, I Mm, think is, um, so it's not like that, that it's like stern and, you know, it's not like they're kids who don't eat sugar or anything like that. It's more like the, the flip side, which is God, the thought that just went through my head is if my kids saw the way that I eat when I binge, I would be humiliated. Hmm. Like, I think they would be shocked. Mm -hmm. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Well, it's a powerful, potentially a powerful motivator. It's like, it's can't feel good on your soul to know no. that that's, you would do something like that and hide it from your kids. Yeah. And I guess that is the one thing that I'd say, remember, uh, I'll qualify something I said earlier. Remember earlier I said, when I have these episodes, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah. physically good. But, you know, like when it gets to like how I'm, like I'm soul feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, okay. 
you know, I feel like a failure that I didn't have enough willpower to overcome it. And so Mm -hmm. like, as I'm going through it, I'm kind of hating on myself. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. I definitely think that for you, it is worth exploring more that feeling of embarrassment about eating unhealthy in front of people. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's worth exploring because I think that might feed your moral moralizing. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something that you feel like you have, I mean, it feels like you're performing then, right? If in front of people, you feel like you have to eat a certain way. Yes. Even if it's even like if half the time you'd eat that way, but alone. Yes, that's just totally the fact right. that you're performing. That 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 makes sense. It is it's it takes energy. Yeah, and that energy you feel like is going into your good bank account. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And it is the expenditure of energy that feels like it goes into the good bank account, which is part of the reason why letting go and just letting the marble roll down the hill feels good in the bad bank account because that doesn't take energy. Exactly. So you've set up this place where you're like, I've been so good, I've been so good. But like, you eat healthy already and you seem to enjoy it. Yeah. So it's not like, it's it might be fueled by that feeling that you have mm. more than reality. I think that makes about sense. About how you actually feel about the food. That, that makes complete sense. That what I feel good about is the fact that it seems like I'm eating healthily when in front of others. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had the following thought, like my coworkers see me eating a certain way. It must be befuddling to them that I am overweight given how healthily they see me eating all the time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all know people who are like really out of shape who whenever you're with them, it seems like they eat normally. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I guess I kind of always interpolate that therefore those people must have a secret life of binging because <laughs> I do, but obviously it's not. They often yeah. do, but not always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So I will explore that further. That makes a ton of sense to me. Well, I was going to say all, you might also need some other thing to do. You know, you might also need some other relief that's not food related. Yeah. Meaning like at the end of the day, if eventually I'm just exhausted, I need an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, something that feels indulgent, feels like you're unwinding, but isn't necessarily a whole bunch of calories in your mouth. Yeah. For me, that's, I've, I've talked about this on the show before. For me, that's often playing Nintendo. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'm a Nintendo fan. Do you play Switch or something else? I play the Switch. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that's it. Awesome. I'm playing Mario Odyssey right now. I have not played it yet, but that makes sense to me. Yeah, video games are a good example because they're also so immersive. It's like once you get into it, you're just sucked in. Mm-hmm. And they're so completely pointless. It's wonderful. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> um, if I had better games on my cell phone, maybe that would that would play that would do the trick. But none of them are any good. Yeah, okay. I will think about that too. I mean, sometimes I feel like the problem is I'm like pushing all the buttons at once. So like it's like overeat and watch TV and 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 whatever I can think of to do. Mm-hmm. which suggests like maybe there's like a crisis in the bank account on a relatively regular basis. Does that make sense? Yeah. It could also be habit though. I, I mean, I feel like a, a lot of the times this stuff sort of snowballs, right? Like, well, it'll start as I never really get to just eat a bunch of chips or whatever, but you're in, you're already in your kitchen. You know, you had that little, you have the trigger from being in the kitchen. You're like we're already here. Then you have the, what the hell hell effect. And then you're like, well, kids are asleep. I have nothing else to do while I'm eating. I might as well watch TV. And, and you, you start getting into a whole night that you're embarrassed about or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the habit of one kind of leads into the other. And then I, right. And then the next time it's that much easier to do all of them together. Right. Cause I'm just associating them. Right. Are there ways that 
like a lot of this sounds like managing the habit. Is there a different set of activities around breaking the habit? The only way to break a habit is to do something different, right? Like you're not just going to sit, sit, right? <laughs> right. Stare out, sit there, stare out and think space. about what you're not doing. Yes. <laughs> um, so there is, I mean, breaking the habit means finding that same relief in a different way. Got it. That makes sense. That really means experimenting with alternatives. Yes. I'm ready to try to do that. And then do you buy all this stuff about like, if you have X period of time, I don't know what it is, three weeks of not doing it, that that like fundamentally resets it? Absolutely not. No, because some of what I'm trying to figure (laughs) out is how not to be daunted by like, oh my gosh, am I going to be just living with this chronic disease of the late night binge habit that I have to avoid for the rest of my life? And how do I kind of get away from that being such like a, you know, like a darkness every night that I have to worry about? Does that make sense? Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, it's a, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's a common fear that uh, I tend to like look o- overlook because I, I believe so strongly that if you can change the emotional cadence of everything that you're doing, you never really want it to come back. But um, it's worth talking about because that is a fear, I feel like, especially for people who have, who feel overweight. Mm-hmm. That, it, you know, it's like, is, is this who I am? Is this this fundamental flaw in me? Yes, that's how I feel. Am I doomed to be this way for the rest of my life, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try? I think maybe this is helpful context, but like my weight has probably gone up and down by, I don't know, 50 pounds over, you know, in like very long waves. But like, you know, two or three times in my life, I weighed 20% less than Mm -hmm. I do now. Right, 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 right. And at the time, I remember people saying to me like, oh, you look like a naturally thin person and just kind of cackling to myself on the inside about how absurd it was that they thought that. <laughs> and and, oh, I, no. and I do kind of feel like maybe there's a fundamental part of me that is like this. Yeah, yeah. So it's a common fear. I just don't really believe humans are like that generally, um, especially if you can pinpoint I mean, it's a behavior. And so what do you believe humans are like? Like what's an alternative belief that I could insert there? Because I buy that it's a behavior and I buy that it's all like random stories that I tell myself and I'm looking for an alternative story to tell myself. My personality is that I'm just a firm believer that we we have free will, Hmm. essentially. And that it's just a matter of figuring out what is pushing us in a certain direction and and tweaking the, the factors until it's easier to do the other thing. That makes sense. And I, I've, I've done it in my life so many times that I just believe that because, I mean, I've done things that I feel like, you know, it's like feel impossible, you know, like running marathons. And I actually used to smoke cigarettes and I quit smoking, <laughs> and, um, you know, things that are like really hard. Yeah. And so, and, and I, and I really, especially believe in the mental game there. So I also feel like I know the method. So it's not mysterious to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, by the way, I buy it on the habit change. Like I also used to smoke and quitting. It's so weird. Quitting was like the easiest thing ever. Like one day I just quit. And it's not like I even stopped and thought to myself like, oh, I should really quit now. Like here I go cold, it, cold turkey. It's like, I, and I, you know, I had definitely episodes like every smoker where like I quit and came back. Um, but, you know, but then one day I basically quit. And I don't know why. And it just moved on. And so I, I guess I definitely buy that it is possible. And, um, and I appreciate knowing that 
someone <laughs> believes that there's a method to these things because I still feel like, you know, I hear what you're saying and I still feel like I have only a very hazy understanding of the method. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you had to describe the method in general, it might help me actually to have like a real abstraction for it. How would you describe it? I mean, well, the, your, your smoking example is a great one. I mean, so you've been there, so you know what you'll be, you'll be able to relate. Like you don't know why right now, but I can assure you that at some point it just felt more not worth it like the the feeling to do it just to not do it just felt easier and more worth it than the other thing. Like when it comes to habits, when it comes to your subconscious behavior, like there are these really sort of loose and sort of arbitrary heuristics that we use to make decisions. But it's all based on our feelings. It's not based on logic like our conscious brain is. But you but like a lot of those things they don't feel like you can change them, but you actually can because they're influenced by so many other random things in your life like where in your house you happen to be sitting or what your mom happened to say to you when you were 12. And you can like start to unravel those little things until you're actually back in control. Okay. That is the most coherent model for how to think about making a lasting, persistent behavior change, like a repeated behavior change that I've ever heard. So that makes total sense to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, well, that's how I do it. And that's, how I coach people through it. So, um, yeah, I think it's, and I've seen it work and the reason it's so hard and the reason why it's so hard to explain is because all this stuff happens at a level that we can't really articulate because we don't know our own minds kind of a thing. Well, cause it's, it's like literally the definition of subconscious, like our habits all run on autopilot and there's a really cool book. If you haven't read it, it's called, uh, by Dan Con- Kahneman called thinking fast and slow. And it talks about these two systems in your brain. System, There's this yep. system one and system two, right? So you know it. So, you know, we're dealing with the the fast one, you know, the one that doesn't ever bubble up to consciousness. That takes it's not very high energy, but and so it feels a lot of times it feels like you can't have any influence on it. You can't control it per se. Like if if you're if there's something in you sit telling you, I need to like unwind at the end of the day. That you can't control, but you can control how you go about doing that, right? And, you know, right now it happens to be going in the kitchen and eating way too much. But if you can get to the basis of why your brain is is pushing you there, like I 100% believe you can redirect the and re-script actually those neural networks to go in the right direction, go in a direction that's not detrimental to you in some way. Let me just make sure I understand the that in the uh, the sentiment of you're controlling that by eating like what is the that that is it's the feeling that you need relief, relief. relaxing it's the relief whatever it is is it yeah. relief that you feel yes it's relief it often is relief yeah it is absolute relief it's not relaxation cuz like you're standing there like you know shoveling things in frantic. your mouth so, yeah it's frantic it is definitely not it is an addict's relief. I mean, just to call it what it is, you know, it feels like that. I don't know if you agree with that. I guess that's a good question. To what extent is thinking about these as addictions helpful or harmful? Mm, I don't think it's super helpful. I think it's just a habit. It's the same system in the brain, but I don't think that means like a physical addiction. You actually change like the neurotransmitter receptors and how your brain responds to them. And and it's not like that. It's just, it's a well-worn path. It's more like a a deep groove and a it's more like a path cut through a forest 
you know, and if you go on it a lot, it's going to be the clear, easy one to go through and getting to a new path. You have to like get out your machete Got it. You know, and sort of like do some hacking. Yep. But if you take that one enough, then that's the new path and the other one grows over. Totally. Rainforests are way better than addiction analogies. I will, I will happily <laughs> use the rainforest analogy and I'm ready to start hacking away at it. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.